Hello and good morning and welcome to the big kickoff. It's ah, good luck. Yes, and good morning on Sunday, October 22nd. Well, Brian and Ophelia have been and gone, and poor El Cox in dire straits down there. Are you bothered? Do you know what? <laughs> morning, Dave. Do you know what? <laughs> they used to... Like, they have storms now, yes. and they have hurricanes yeah. and all this. Yeah. But they used to call it winter time, didn't they? Yeah, back in the day, yeah. And now it's storm, this storm, yeah. that. Now, I do believe Cork got absolutely battered. Oh, over. yeah, yeah. No, I know a few people down there now. It's not too, not too pretty. And the hurricane, in inverted commas, yeah. did blow down a good few trees around the place. So it yeah. was strong winds. But Brian, give me a break. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. He's not the Messiah, he's just a naughty boy. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't a storm, it was just a little wind. It was a little bit, that's <laughs> all it was, here. a bit of rain. Up here, anyway. But yeah, it never happened on Monday, didn't it? No, never. Like, about 12 o'clock, you're thinking, oh, maybe, just maybe. And then uh, a bit of break. Now, in fairness, a tree around the corner for me did come down and the whole lot, which it looked like it was going to happen. But uh, thankfully, it didn't damage anything. But uh, you're kind of by six o'clock, you're going, I'm actually a bit disappointed. <laughs> they had an American fella on the radio the other day, and he just happened to be on, and he was... A storm chaser. Just yeah, yeah. Did you hear him? He was a storm chaser, and then he says, "Oh yeah, I was here for uh, Hurricane Ophelia," and <laughs> yeah, he says, "And what do you think of it?" Well, I've chased. Uh, he's only new. At, yeah, I've chased uh, Irma and some other one. I can't remember what the other one was. And he says, uh, "Yeah, this is the tamest one out of them all." But I said, the, "But the That's worst because it wasn't a hurricane, but it was the worst from." Oh yeah, because he left his gear outside his B and B in Dublin for like ah, twenty seconds, it. and yeah. it got lifted, yeah. <laughs> and not by a hurricane or a twister. Uh, brilliant so anyway we're going to kick off with a typical uh, Irish one to go off with what are we going with mate we've yeah. a choice of two there well we're, I think we're going to go with the galaxy and love system love system Yeah, there's a radio show on here. <laughs> <laughs> and welcome back to the big kickoff. <clears throat> yeah. That's it. If you want to text us uh, on 087-062-7138 or uh, check us out on our Facebook page, the big kickoff. Uh, what have we got coming up today, Mr. Shannon? We have Cover Coaching, yes. who are coming on, uh, taking a call from us this morning, and they're going to discuss, we're basically going to discuss <clears throat> who they are, what they are, and why they believe they're, I suppose, so important to Irish football and we were talking last week to Marco Sullivan from AIK Stockholm and his view on coaching and how you should approach <laughs> I suppose uh, kids technically and stuff like that so uh, Cover are, are, are one of the leading I suppose 
coaching sort of brands yeah. <clears throat> around. So uh, we'll be talking about that and they have a new, they're up in Carton House with a, a camp, a midterm camp uh, with a few different sports. So they're going to talk about that. Yeah. Also, we, <laughs> we have Tomo. So <laughs> Dublin Marathon is next weekend. Next Monday, yeah. And so we said, how can we, how can we talk about the Dublin Marathon? And obviously a first time runner, yeah, it's something that is, is interesting because I've often thought about running and then just went, oh God, I can't be bothered. It's a lot of effort. And you've thought about it. Oh, I will say. But Kieran Thompson, who Tomo, who's there, who would be a friend of ours, he's doing it. And so we're going to ask him training wise, uh, preparation wise, how we have to change things. What is it like for a first time runner going exactly. into to the race? And we may even have a little chat with him next week uh, before the race. Oh yeah, we'll have a couple live next week uh, before they uh, go out in the madness. I think it's kicking off at nine o'clock, but we'll find that out. But uh, Ireland has a new world champion. Yes, I seen that last night. No, you Bo- didn't. Oh, sorry, it's not the it's not no, the no, you, not no, the you boxing. Didn't. No, you didn't. Okay, go on. <laughs> James Dean. No. Not who you think it is. He's from Cork. Right. He's the Irish World Drift Champion. Oh. Exactly. So I was like, World Drift Champion, this is cars, right? What exactly is World Drift Champion? Watch his YouTube clip and they're like a little 30 second, I don't even know if it's a race, I think it's more style. But you know where the lads are going around the corner kind of sideways, what you see in Tokyo Drift and yeah. everything? Basically it's that. Okay. And it's, they're against each other and I think it's more of a style thing. But anyway, eight, eight uh, races across the, the US pretty much for the for the summer. And uh, he became world champion, I think it was over the, the weekend or last weekend anyway. But uh, yeah, it was, uh, yeah, it's about 30 seconds, a couple of different corners. They're going sideways constantly, basically. They're flicking left and right. It's almost like slalom right. for cars. But is it just... Spectacle-wise, it's a bit strange looking. But I, I have no doubt it's something stupidly hard to do. Yeah. Is Incredibly it, technical. Is it just drifting around <clears throat> corners? Literally. That's, well... There was a 14-minute clip, but it was literally the entire season. So do you know the way I play Need for Speed on the PlayStation 4? And you do a little drift around the corners? Yes, it's just basically that constantly. Like, he's some record, he drifted for something like 28 kilometres or something. Like, I looked into a bit further, other things he's done. Like, crazy stuff. Uh, And then he said, stuff. Anyway, uh, but yeah, this one, it looks short and sharp. Five or six corners, they're up against each other, and I think it's more style, whoever. And there's three judges, and they kind of go, you or me is the winner, on to the next round. Right. So you accumulate points to further, like I think it's knockouts. So literally at the weekend, all he had to do was get into the final 32, and that was it. He didn't even have to race, but he still came third at the weekend uh, to Ron Palm with the world champion. So we, we have another world champion, on top of obviously the boxing. Is it like car dressage? Yeah, I suppose. It, it's hard to tell. Like, they literally go off, and it looked like it was um, the drag racing for a split second, but literally, first corner, bang, they're on their side, and they're literally permanently on their side until it's over, and then they kind of pick who was the better drifter, so to speak. Yeah, so... Spectacle wise, it didn't look all that impressive. Maybe the Yanks love it and the whole lot, but without a shadow of a doubt, I'd say it's ridiculously technical and seriously impressive. If oh, you're in that's, the car, that's without a doubt. If we the camera's that. inside, I'd say you'd really know exactly what he does, yeah. and it's not easy, and it's far from it, and yeah. all credit to him for being that world champion without a shadow of a doubt. But yeah. on the outside looking at it, I was kind of going, mm, okay, fair enough. And what's his criminal background? <laughs> <laughs> well, he's from Cork. Oh, All apologies. Other, other counties are just as bad. We, we have criminals in every county. <laughs> yeah, 26, James Dean. Oh, that's good. We have an Irish world champion, so just so you know. And uh, obviously, last night, Ryan Burnett unified the, the titles. Well, that's what against I was I don't know who it was against. ZZ, uh, Zanet, yeah. Zanet, Z- yeah, whatever. But Ricky Hatton there. Uh, here's, here's what I noticed about that fight, and it really bugged me. 
Zakianov or whatever his name is didn't see him until he got to the ring because Ricky Hatton was in front right and he was kind of dictating when they went out and the music was on a bit and I was like listen mate you're the trainer now you sit in the back and take it away and then the first person they go to after the fight's over is Ricky Hatton but isn't isn't Ricky Hatton so big now that you can't miss him well that's without a shadow of a joke true but it just annoyed me a little bit like what, what's the story Are you, well, he's coming out for the payday lads because what's it all about like putting him in the shadows he should be at the front giving it the big one showing I'm here to to ruin the party yeah. now he was very much a Ricky Hatton style fighter nice and close likes to get in and wrestle and then throw in the up, uppercuts and the body shots and the whole lot but Burnett was just a bit too slick and uh, silky for, for, for my liking so that's unified now it was unified it? yeah one was the IBF and one was the WBAA super so yeah. yeah he literally got the world title against the British guy Haskins in the summer and went straight to a unification which is impressive enough but no he's a good silky fighter and I have to say uh, he looked good but it wasn't a great spectacle fight to be honest because uh, your man was a bit of a spoiler but nothing against that it's just a style Yeah. Um, so it wouldn't have been the greatest fight to see but Burnett done enough but oh, that's good. the judges were at it again in the fight beforehand oh yeah there's a guy called uh, I can't think of his first name apologies Ormond from Ballyferm it was up against um, Paul Hyland Jr. from Belfast he was the champion and Ormond even Sky they weren't because Hyland would have been their man he would have been Eddie Hearn's man so to speak and everyone kind of went yeah he's won by a couple Ormond's won by a couple here right probably quite easily um and it, one judge gave it to Burn, uh, Highland, one judge gave it to Armand, fine. But then the other one went to Highland again, but it was like 117, 110. And <sighs> Pascal Collins was in the corner. And was, was this up in the north? Yeah, it was up the north, yeah. yeah. And Pascal okay. Collins was not in the... He was in the corner of Armand and he wasn't in the least bit happy. And they were all in the corner, all happy together. And in fairness, Collins did nothing wrong. He said, oh, I have nothing against the fire. Absolutely nothing. But yeah. there's no way that was a 117, 110 fight. Like, yeah. all day long. You see everyone, I'll leave it alone. Leave it. I said, no. Like, he's getting a little payday. Nice payday on Sky. But that could have really put him up another level. To re- And this is money that's really serious money for these guys. That could really set them up. This isn't millions. Yeah. This is wages. Like, a year's wages for somebody. Like, and So that victory could have been massive. Like, don't get me wrong. He'll probably get another... A couple of decent fights against good lads because he's a proper test, but mm. but that's because he won. If he lost, it was different. No, so. this is the, the Armand guy. Oh, you yeah, know what I mean. Yeah, he's yeah. been kind of floating around, kind of threatening to be decent and fought a couple of yeah, good but lads. For, for boat fighters, yes, that those margins are important because yeah. that dictates still their fights now. for the rest of the Highland's year. Still unbeaten so. now. He's okay. He can tip along, but Armand now might miss out on a couple of grand, which I'm presuming will be massive. Yeah. You know, sticking sticking with fighting, uh, yeah. David Hay and Tony Bellew. Yeah, well, it's actually Anthony Joshua. Yeah, two of them were on Talk Sport, and Hay was on talking about the chances of meeting Anthony Joshua and fighting Anthony Joshua <laughs> outside a kebab shop. Maybe like. <laughs> so, uh, are the two of them in the studio together? I think it's Anthony Joshua. Oh, a link. Anthony Joshua first. And then it's just hey reacting to what he says. So let's hear from uh, Anthony now. If it comes about, if and when, it'll be a, it'll be a, it'll be a good fight. But same with me. I've got to kind of perform against X X and X and X before I get to Hay. And he has to perform against Bellew, and maybe it'll be the trilogy against Bellew again before he fights me. So we've got to get through looking good, keep our stock high, and then we can create a massive barnstormer. There we are. Yeah, I mean, and if you can get, obviously that would be on your horizon a fight like that. That would be something else, wouldn't it? That would be the ultimate perfect scenario. You know, I have a couple of fights. He has a couple of fights. He's got a fight in the next weekend. 
Mm. No, so if we both keep winning, mm. then a, a you know a, a big football stadium, me and Joshua, it doesn't get any bigger than that. But I can't even remotely even start thinking about that if I can't perform against Tony Bellew. Even if I beat Tony Bellew, but I scrape through, I get knocked down. I, I'm struggling. I'm mm. you know my my shoulder pops. Whatever whatever issue I have, I can't then realistically say I want to fight this big guy who's three inches taller, three stone bigger, 10 years younger, undefeated, 100 knocker. I, I be, people go, come on, Dave, get real. Yeah. I don't yeah. want that. And I'm smart enough to know if and when I can, you know, challenge for people. You know, at the moment, I feel great. At the moment, I feel I can beat Tony Belly. But then again, prior to the first fight, I thought I could. And I was wrong. So this fight is going to show me whether I've still got it or I haven't. But listen to that, I'm going to say no, because he's never been like that. He's never, he's he's never been, been that confidence. And I wouldn't mind um, watching a bit on Twitter and a bit of social media. Belly was kind of shown as training and this, that, and the other. Hey, is doing next to nothing this time. Is he not? Now, last time it was very much look at me sipping nice juices in a jacuzzi in Miami, taking this easy. I'm going to kill him. And this whole, and what are you going to explain to your children when I put you in the hospital and all this crack? That's the most I've heard in the last two weeks of Dave A. I haven't I heard nothing of him. It, it looks like there's a bit of doubt in his mind. About, about whether he's able to fight now or not. And probably the body. The way he said, the oh, body, shoulder yeah. pops and me this. He sounded like he yeah, had a cold. Yeah. I think that's what is it, the doubt in his mind. I'd say he's no doubt in his mind he can look after Bellew. And in his day, he should. But yeah, maybe I, he's back soon. i seen that picture of that bloody tendon and I still see it in my head. It was yeah. disgusting. It was like spaghetti. And as we talked about it before, if he hadn't got that, it's a, it's a different fight altogether. So just Tony Bellew. And Tony Bellew can, st- can stop kidding people as well about that victory. That was big asterisks beside that one. Because I'm, fair enough, he put him away, but let's face it, he, 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 was, he was half the man. But, um, and next week, which is the first time it's not getting much mention at all, which is, a, which is a shame for her. And maybe it's because of the fact that she's with Eddie Hearn and it's not necessarily kind of been drumming up in Ireland. But uh, Katie Taylor's going for a world title shot next week. Yes, I'm saying that. And we obviously know and most people I'd like to think in the boxing game obviously know but the general public don't know that much and there's very little coverage now I don't know why or whatever but this girl is a two weight world champion that she's fighting she's got a decent uh, record this is a proper test regardless of whether it's for a title shot but it's for a title shot um, and Eddie Hearn has come out and said more than likely she might get a shot at the States like if if and when she, hopefully she wins next week it'll be another fight in the States before Christmas and then uh, early to late spring for a big homecoming card Obviously, I'd say he's trying to get a like a big Irish card, like your Conlans and potentially Barnes's and maybe all these kind of guys to come in with it to really make sure whenever it's coming, it's going to the event. Because if it's just Taylor with a lot of the British kind of his uh, British stable, I think it'll still sell out, but it mightn't be a great card. So I'd, yeah, I'd yeah. say that's the problem. He's yeah. trying to get all the Irish kind of in and as well to make sure there's enough. But uh, yeah, she's gone for a title shot next week, and hopefully we'll have a new world champion and she gets the credit because she is. Arguably our greatest ever boxer. She's definitely our greatest ever amateur boxer. Ah, oh, by a mile. There's no question about by that. Pro, hopefully in a year or two we can say the same, but she is arguably our greatest ever boxer. And regardless of what sex she is, she needs to be lauded a bit better, I think. Over and it's the flair that, yeah. that she does it with. It's, uh, it's not sitting back. Again, I always say this about Mayweather. Mayweather is as born as yeah. shite. But <laughs> uh, Katie Taylor knows what she's at. She's on the yeah. forward foot all the time. Yeah, so with a bit of luck, she'll come good next week and uh, sort her out. And hopefully anyone who... It's uh, it's on box office, but hopefully people find... A if, way. If they're not paying for it, find a way and we get to see another Irish world champion. Anyway, we're, we're coming up with more news and, and in the worldwide wonderful world of sports uh, coming up after the break.
That's Hermitage Green with Lionshare too in a row. Good tune. They're not a bad band. I tell you, Ireland is spitting out some serious uh, music at the moment. And we said before, punching uh, above their weight in, in music. Um, yeah, because there was some big wig. I was listening to one of the rival fancy dancy uh, radio stations, I think, that are paid by us. Taxpayers. Oh, right. Paid, <laughs> that was paid by us. Let me sound. <laughs> what were they saying? Uh, yeah, one of them is, uh, was the Spotify had some... Um, corporate thing on a couple of weeks ago and uh, they were they, they see all the what people are listening to and this that and the other and they were saying like just like Ireland are punching way above their weight in music and he- what, being listened to around the world and all that and they're saying like they're spitting out ridiculous amounts of music at the moment and good music that a lot of people are listening to not just in Ireland but worldwide well, we always try to play as much Irish as, as we can and we always start off but it's with, actually easy <clears throat> with an Irish song but yeah there's so much out there yeah and at the moment when I'm thinking of what to play most of it is, is Irish bands that are coming up in my head because it, it, there's some, some nearly said it again there's some great sugar out there <laughs> <laughs> anyway we've got uh, the legend from Australia Alf Talk Stewart yep Alf Flying Stewart mangles. Cork City finally limped and you have to say limped literally fell over the line over the line I hope Caulfield in the background is going right we need to seriously work on this because we were basically eight. Well, again, since the lads they, left. they drew with Derry nil nil. It was yeah. a very dull affair. Yeah. I have to say, I watched the game. And I understand they made a lot of changes on Friday, but if I was in the relegation fight, I'd be you'd pissed be, off. You'd be upset if they didn't. Four two. Yeah. That's a hammering to Pats. Yeah, and Pats aren't playing amazing. Correct. Right so anyway, Cork City have to ha- have a little influence, but. They're champions. League tables don't lie yet. The league tables don't lie. If you get the most points, you win. And, yeah. they're, and they're worthy champions in the end. Without a shadow of a doubt. Um, but, as a surprise from legend. us, Alf Stewart decided to, uh, from home and away, uh, decided to congratulate the Cork City players. Congratulations to all at Cork City. Well done, guys. Don't worry about the last 10 or 12 years. Anyone can have a quiet decade. But now, you're the champions. Good on ya. Good on ya. <laughs> Good on ya. <laughs> you, you know you've that. made it when yeah. Alf Stewart talks. Alf Stewart talks. But that's so unexpected, wasn't yeah, it? That is. Of all the people in the world. Genius. <laughs> I, I would almost take that over the winner's medal uh, like oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. it is look who to congratulate <laughs> me on this you just don't get much better than this <laughs> uh, I'm just going to briefly all the hullabaloo about FIFA and this that and the other remember the good old championship manager yes well championship manager from 0102. that's a long time isn't it and the unknown name of Huang Wenbin of China playing at home decides to pick Runcorn in the, cha- in the conference and takes into Premier League and Champions League glory over 14 or 15 seasons, signing the likes of Van Nistelrooy, Gerard Keane, Beckham, all the big stars at the time. Well, he finally made it to Runcorn this week with his family. Uh, he made a 12,000 uh, pilgrimage. How, how did this happen? He, he just wanted to come over. He just it's, he, he played the game constantly. He was obsessed. and So he actually he initiated it? Oh, he? no, he came over. But I think he got onto them and blah, blah, blah. And they said, right, we'll be here and we'll be waiting for you. And uh, they brought him on a VIP trip at the grounds and gave him some, because their name has changed over a few times. So they gave him some memorabilia from whatever Runcom were called in the 01-02 season. And he came over with the kids and he brought them around the clubhouse and obviously VIP treatment of the games, the whole lot. But uh, yeah, just something he wanted to do. He had obviously 
entertain himself for many a day if he played 15, 16 seasons with one club and uh, he said yeah I want to go over and see this crowd in real life and uh, yeah they looked after him it was a great story but that's, it was literally just a fan who's decided to come from the other side of the world but Runcorn of all places It's amazing when you play that game so yeah. championship manager oh. football manager 12 how, hours how attached if, you, if you're with a club long enough how attached do you get to them and you find then that you sit down and you watch Soccer Saturday mm. and you're looking for the result Jason Manford the great clip about Jason Manford he was doing one of the corporate events at City and he was doing a stand up and it was one of the City players and he's a massive City fan but for some reason he was looking at one of them I can't say I'll make one up uh, back in the day whatever uh, say it was Vincent Cobb even though it wasn't he said uh, he was there and he kept looking at him and he he was tick with him and he (laughs) couldn't figure out why and it wasn't until he got home he realised that whoever the player was it wasn't company wouldn't renew his contract when he was playing right. manager. <laughs> yeah. and when he seen him he hasn't signed the new contract and that's what it was he wouldn't talk to him all night he was tickering him because he, he obviously couldn't <laughs> what was reality and what wasn't but he said yeah he's bull tick over I've often done that I've often went to bed lying down and gone <laughs> Why won't he sign? Like, I mean, how am I going to get I'm in? I'm building the new stand. Yeah. I'm creating something here. Work with me, lads. It's a project. <laughs> the chairman's not giving me the money. Brilliant. So, anyhow, Runcorn, they uh, yeah, went along now, with they it. they said uh, they've supporters clubs in the likes of Scandinavia. And, yeah. Like, there's a lot of random little sports clubs all around Europe for English clubs. I for some reason. Must, it must be that opens it up. Yeah, that's what it is and whatever. But, like, they said there's uh, Sweden and Denmark. They have little groups. And I think what happens is, especially in Europe, they seem to enjoy the few points they enjoy the English social element to football and you get a lot of uh, these strange supporters clubs from dotted around Europe that come to these random clubs they like the small ground mentality of a couple of thousand people back in the day you know the Cup of Bovril and whatever and he was saying yeah we've, uh, we've won in Sweden won in Denmark and I think most of the Scandinavian they have a little supporters groups that come over once or twice a year to see Runcorn but it's that's literally every club in England has that especially in the smaller side it's, it's, it's incredible but it's a great story for him and something to that's that's a serious box ticking thing for him yeah, and his kids. And it's brilliant. That's like yeah. us going to the States or yeah. us going to yeah. Japan or something yeah. like that after that. Brilliant. But it's a great story for him anyway. That's cool. That's, what we, that's why we love football because there's oh, all these little cool. stories. Uh, Ryan Tuberty, never thought, oh. Ryan Tuberty we would mentioned on this show, but uh, he has questioned daughter Dan Brown's decision to portray yes. two Irish soccer fans as hooligans in a chapter of his new book, The Origin. He obviously didn't research that well. Who? Dan Brown. Dan Brown, yeah. Now, uh, uh, we'll, we'll just read what, what Tuberty said and then we'll discuss it. It says, This soldier lad in a uniform form goes into a bar. Now, an Irish lad going into a this bar isn't is a joke, normally a joke. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's in Lisbon in Portugal and he orders a tonic water because That's he was, another thing, yeah, he was off the sauce. <laughs> he had a problem with the drink at one stage. So is this an excerpt from the book? No, that's him talking about what the book was about. Okay. He says, The door opens and then these two hooligans... Uh, who are then called Tugs in the book come in with their Irish soccer jerseys and they are drunk and they order points and they start slagging off your man in his uniform slagging off his medals poking him and starting a row and looking at the women behind the bar essentially start being aggressive and unpleasant drunk and acting like hooligans stop this madness now I, I actually like this part it says Tubbly says I was reading this as someone who adores my country, I found myself getting quite angry because I know this book has been sold by the bucket loads around the country and around the world, more importantly. And here he is, of all the people to pick on, the Irish soccer fan, the most admired, appreciating fans in the world, blah, blah, blah. But it really does. It, is he a Twitter account? Has he got a Twitter account? He must be bombarded by now. Dan Brown. Yeah. He must be bombarded. He must be. I didn't look. 
tell you the truth. I should have looked. Yeah. I should have looked. Let's start a campaign. Let's all get at Dan Brown. Well, Hashtag. T- t- what, during the show, <laughs> we're going to get onto Twitter and we're going to have a look at him. We yes. send Dan a message. Let's play a really long story or a really long story. November rain, seven minutes. <laughs> Apologies for the Sunday November rain, but we need we need to do more research. But I know this. Screw is, you, Dan Brown. <laughs> I know this is fiction. It um, doesn't matter. But it's not it, when you talk about someone, anyone, and even if it's in fiction, it's kind of because it's that reality is mm. associated with that oh, sort yeah. of thing, or you know, you not trying to have a go here. But stereotypically, it should be two English fans walking in. Stereotypically, yeah, and or Russian. Bit- and, and the big kick off England are probably talking about us talking about that. You know, so, but that's, yeah. So it's, it, 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 I can understand why it gets under anyone's skin. Why he'd be so stupid for, it just doesn't make sense. It doesn't make, he could have picked any, he could have picked Germany, yeah, Turkey, yeah. where actually th- these things actually happen. But for some reason he's gone and he's picked on Irish fans who are the complete. We'll get to bring it up in the book line maybe later on. Book line, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Dan Brown out. <laughs> Um, Ron Nogara uh, There's a famous picture Of him and a couple of lads In a kind of a lineup Ready to meet the Queen I think it was at reception In Buckingham Palace For A relation thing Or whatever Between the two countries And uh, He had his hands in his pockets And it's Protocol wise It's a massive no-no A huge no-no And he got a bit of backlash over it Nothing huge That we're all Up in arms about But it was brought up In an interview recently And he just had a laugh He says listen I understand whatever If anyone has a problem But he said It's a complete And utter Sensational thing He says My hands were sweating So bad And I was afraid I might have to shake her hand Or she'd just give the, 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 The stereotypical Limp wristed handshake But he said It was literally Nothing else other than They were sweating so much He kept putting his hands in And trying to dry them off Just in case Because he said At the end of the day It wasn't necessarily That it was just her It was the whole rigmarole of a law and you have yeah. to be something that you're not used to and be ever so nice and he said yeah that's all it was he says I, I get it but it was, it was probably more of a big deal over there or whatever but yeah uh, yeah he said it was as simple as that let's not I'm not going to create a story here it was simple as that and you can see it and it's so funny because Brian just is giving it the usual like you know telling a story and he's just sitting there with hands out like a, like a nice <laughs> schoolboy it's brilliant and of course loads of people oh, yeah, he's sticking it to the queen but no it wasn't it was just good old fashioned nerves uh, that's that's always the way. Um, Denmark in the World Cup. Ooh, I have a different Denmark story. Oh, well, Denmark you go women. With, you go with your Denmark. Denmark ladies. Yeah, you go with that. Ladies football is uh, really cooking up a storm at the moment. Uh, Denmark ladies had a game cancelled a qualifier against Sweden uh, over wages. Wages? Over money. Um, basically, they, call a, they called it off now and they're back in because... They've done a deal and they've struck a deal, but Denmark could be quite leading. But it's all started from Norway. Norway have parity with the men; they get the same money. And now Sweden are in the process of something similar. Very good. But you know, you know, the old Scandinavians like quality of life is more important than anything, and they seem to be a leading, a leading light, and they're doing it again. But um, yeah, they've called off the dogs anyway, and they're back in qualifiers because another game, and they probably could have been turfed out. And uh, they're one of the leading nations. I think they were the finalists in the Euros last year. Yeah. So uh, big news for them that they're they're back in and they're back at it. But I think you know the problems with England and obviously the problems with Ireland last year. They're obviously still treated as a second class citizen still. Uh, whatever about the money, I'm sure the money wouldn't be an issue if they were getting the same respect. Probably. You know, and I'm, I'm not trying to be saying oh, I'm not saying men's football is better, but I'd say that's probably the biggest reason. But they're hitting them where it hurts with the money. I presume. What they have to realise is, no matter if you're a man or a woman, mm-hmm. if you're putting all your energy in and you're a professional at that sport, mm-hmm. then you should be getting the same, I suppose, 
respect and, and that, attention and that, even. and that respect comes from making sure that you get paid what you deserve to be paid yeah. you know and they're putting the effort in as much as the lads are putting it so we don't get, I don't get it without going into too much of it because I don't know a lot of it but it's, it's like that mess at the moment like, like the FA are in front of the government trying to explain themselves trying at the to moment explain, yeah. that's, regardless that's not good enough no no, it's not. Whether they've made mistakes or not, it's irrelevant. Yeah. They shouldn't be there. What they did, they 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 had a hole. Uh, they were after digging a hole for themselves, mm-hmm. and they decided the best to way it. to get it out was to dig further and try and really bury it. Yeah, and they made an absolute arse of it. Yeah. Now, and now she's potentially justified, even though she was originally told no. We'd give you a little payoff, and that's it. But now all of a sudden, it's coming out. Actually, yeah, that what he said wasn't. That was yeah, that was very potentially racist and blah blah. So sorry about that. But they 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 will have this kick out racism campaigns and whatever, and they tried to bury that one under under the the thing. Um, When we come back from the ad break, we'll actually continue on this conversation about well, continue on about women's sports because we're going to go and talk briefly about the women Irish rugby team. Excellent. Hello, welcome back oh, to Big Cock. Who was that? That's the end of the song. Who oh, is it? Yeah. Which, I was like, are we you getting some was Spanish radio? Hello. Hola. Hola. Buenos dias. Muchachos. I thought you were going to be totally professional there. And there we go. Like, I was like, hello. Hello, Jose. Here's our Spanish counterparts. Uh, Bienvenidos, Las Big Kickoff. Do you want to talk about was it oh, coming yeah. up? Uh, cover coaching is coming up at uh, nine fifteen. Right, yeah. There's a slight delay in it, so if anyone's waiting on on the, on the guys from Cover Coaching, it's going to be at quarter past nine. Um, so we're going to go back. Uh, we were talking about the uh, shenanigans going on in women's football, especially all around Europe, pretty much. And uh, now we're going to continue on with uh, now. It seems to be the, our Irish rugby counterparts are in a similar turmoil. Yeah, well, during the week it was advertised that the next coach of the Women's Rugby World Cup team will be part-time. And I think it's a, <laughs> it's a, a, a six-month, I'm fairly sure now it's a six-month contract that they're, they're looking at. So Ireland won the, the five, six nations, wasn't it, a, a few years ago? Uh, they won the Grand Slam. Grand Slam. Did they get to the, four or five years ago did now, get to the semi-final, final, the, the World Cup? The, the previous World Cup? Yeah. I think they did really well anyhow. Of course, right? yeah. They, were, they had a great two or three years where they were arguably the best. In the arguably world. the best, yeah. And obviously this year... I think they oh, met New Zealand, actually, didn't they? In yeah. the last World Cup. Yeah, and unfortunately this year, in, on, her, on her own the home turf, that they played below par. 
So, in their wisdom, the IRFU have decided that they, you only need a, a manager and a coach for half of the year. Mm. So, in other words, it's basically a slap in the face when the male counterparts are getting all the bells and whistles. Correct. The, the female rugby stars... Not so much. No. <laughs> Listen, they're, if they're, not at all. If not at all. And it, it sounds like, to me, we're not bothered. Oh, yeah, sure. You let us down. It's the typical thing where, remember the boxing thing? Correct. We didn't do great in the, in the Olympics. We'll cut your funding. We'll make it even harder for yeah, you to do yeah. anything. And it's real Irish and it's, it's absolutely yeah. pathetic. We're not going to be world leaders all the time. But when we do, let's support them. And then when we're not, we still need to support them and make sure that we get the next generation eventually the next gold generation because it always happens it does happen in sports where you get the next group of players and if they're going to be treated like that what, what women are going to want to stay in rugby going what's the point do I really want to play for that joke shop yeah again like the and the, this is the national team the female soccer players football players I mean they get they, dressed in toilets and and getting the under 15 or 16s tracksuits and, and stuff like that Nonsense. probably better off going into lifestyle or one of these shops and buying your own buying your tracksuit out of the shop instead yeah and then like the English FA with the with the, the women's teams <laughs> over there the Irish FA the IRFU they, they'll try and cover Listen, it up then oh, I think well. we know why go shoot probably money they don't bring enough money so we don't really care too much about them they'll never be who cares about pro- even though who cares about promoting the game Shannon? Like, yeah. why, why should we promote the game we're the we're the governing body of the country we're not here to promote the game we're here to promote our bank account and that's what it's about really let's dress it up See, they'll, they'll, they'll never bring heard, in money if you don't put money into it but though. what I heard this is something I heard on the grapevine the guy who was the, who was the manager for the last couple of years it was always a means to an end he was promised another gig which whatever gig he's got now if he took it on because they were struggling and he said look you do this we'll scratch your back afterwards and I think he's the under 21 or he's I don't know what he is if you dug into it but uh, yeah I heard last week that that's so right. it was the final stretch for him maybe that's why he didn't bother his arse like as I said off air there Eddie O'Sullivan and rightly so treat, gave them respect and, and had a dig at them when they underperformed in one of the games I think it was the last game where he said the back line were clueless and he said it wasn't that the, that wasn't a slight of the girls it was a slight he said there was no plan they looked rudderless and they looked like they had no idea what to do and he was questioning whether they were even told to do anything Yeah, it was very much they had to wing it and it looked like it was all let's get together and see what we can so he could have easily have given up going I couldn't give a crap about this World Cup now I'm sure that's not the case but be that's hard, why me and, you, me and you can ask that question now because yeah. now we know Deep down, he was getting his gig, the gig that he always wanted. I'd love to have someone on. Maybe we will. Maybe we'll do our best to try and get someone on. No, I'd love to have someone on from the area, a few come I in just, and explain mm. where is uh, Irish women's rugby going? Mm. What is the plan? Are you looking to progress it or is it just as was? You know, we'll, yeah. we'll deal with it. We have was. it there just to look PC like. Yeah. So. Now we have women's teams. Leave us alone. Yeah, I, 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 I don't get it. I don't get it because women's sports around, you look at over in America and look at the uh, women's football over there. Look at England, the women's football there. And the great thing it's about grown, America, the crowds once or twice, the professional leagues has failed, but they always go back. Yeah. And they always go back, the WNBA as well, and they always go back and push and push and push and say, right, we're, we're going to get this going. And credit where credit's due. And it's nothing to do with money. It's like, right, we need to find another way that's going to be successful and keep it ticking along. And they tried to go really big a couple of years ago and it went too far. Like it was almost like the the old school 70s American thing. They went too far and brought over half of the world. And it didn't quite happen probably because they pushed too much money too early. Yeah. And of course, nothing came back. Now it seems to be a little bit more. And there's only you only hear about one or two players from around coming in. And slowly but surely, but they haven't given up. And credit where credit's due. Like... Um, I've just blanked it there because I just something clicked up on the screen. But anyway, you started off with Denmark. This all started with yeah. Denmark, and I went right. Let's talk about Denmark women. 
I presume you're going to want to talk about the playoffs. Well, no, just briefly. Yeah. Um, I don't, I was, we were all looking at the draw. We couldn't wait for the draw. Yeah. Everyone was looking forward to the draw. Everyone loves a draw. Oh, of course. Um, the unknown. F- funny enough, the guy draw was on during the week as well. The, and the hurling was behind closed doors. What yeah, was I don't know what that's about. I have no idea what that's Now, I don't about. know whether... I don't know ex- the exact reason why, and I'll be winging it, but it, if it's a round robin, maybe it's already known who's in each other's group because it, was there a separate draw for a separate championship? I See, this is what I don't know. Are they doing a separate knockout championship just to be Munster champion? And then the round robin stage is not necessarily a Munster championship. It's the All-Ireland Championship. Monster section. We should talk to someone who knows yeah, about yeah, exactly. football. We are rubbish. But yeah, the, the, the draws already made. Another yeah. s- like probably not till what May, May time. Yeah, and the draws are already made, and Dublin will play either one lamb or lamb two. That's going to go to the slaughter. Yeah, <laughs> I can't think of which. I think it's Wicklow and well, I think it's Wicklow and Offaly actually. But uh, it's 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 sad where you kind of go. Do you know what? It doesn't really matter. It's Let me know when they're in the final. Far too early, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, it's yeah. far too early. Yeah. There was a crack. Speaking of which, there was a cracking head to head on a on a, another radio station yesterday morning between Reggie Corrigan and Paul Kimmage. It was superb, and I think Ken Doherty is actually the DJ. And about ten minutes into it, he came up with one little sound, but he went, and, "Oh, good to see you getting involved here, Ken." Reggie Corrigan, yeah, said, that was brilliant. And he was like, uh, "Yeah, we'll hope to have you on again, Paul. Maybe when." Uh, there's not so much going on. He literally, he looked lost. And it was just a great head-to-head. It was nothing out of the ordinary. It was just a great debate about, he had a go at him about this whole Jim Gavin thing. What's going on? Like, you know, it's a bit much. You're being sensational now and this, that, and the other. I think you're just soundbiting and, and Cambridge is well able. He said, let's call a spade a spade. Is this about when I mentioned about drugs and rugby? And I'm like, well, no, 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 really. And, but it was just a great head-to-head. The two lads very much well capable looking after themselves. And poor old Ken Darty pulled himself in the corner. Did he? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, thanks very much. And uh, yeah, we might have you on again when it comes down. I don't think you have to worry about Ken Darty and steroids, do you? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I hope to have you on again, Paul, when it comes down. <laughs> <laughs> uh, press there, the there's another fellow I'd love to have in Paul uh, unbelievable um, so the, basically what the analysis we were all delighted because we got Denmark and it's not a lack of respect to Denmark yeah. it's basically because Croatia are, are one of those feared. teams we yeah. fear the others more they're well able to pass get through the lines and stuff like that Italy are Italy and this could be even more dangerous because of the fear of maybe the lads will fancy a bit more we'll still need to be incredibly disciplined and incredibly unfortunately the way we were in the last game against Wales we're going to probably have to be like that for 175 minutes and then maybe 5 minutes of madness to nick the goal whenever we have to try and nick the goal hopefully yeah, yeah. unfortunately that's the way it's going to be and it's going to be the same with this crowd without a shadow of a doubt just hopefully the lads will be more confident and fancy it more that they'll be relaxed not necessarily confident but relaxed that they'll do everything right because they're going to defend let's face it well, don't be surprised if it's gone, if it's nil nil and penalties. goes to penalties. Jesus. You know yeah. that's the kind of game it is. But anyhow, the Danish supporters were uh, well, just a bit too happy about the, yeah. the draw. Uh, somebody uh, going through Twitter. Some of the analysis uh, will be a dirty game against Ireland. They're not exactly choir boys. Fair enough. All right, fair enough. Uh, Someone else called uh, VM ninety. They're a team that concede many free kicks and almost never shoot a goal. That's a fair analysis, isn't it? <laughs> we can't. Shut up, Denmark. <laughs> Here's the celebrations from a few of them. I saw the Wales-Ireland game, and if we can't beat Ireland, we don't deserve to go to the World Cup. That's for, fair For them, it's a fair assessment. I like where this is going. But then come again, on, if, come if, on, give me somebody to get really annoyed at. Ireland will be a manageable opponent. All right, now I'm getting wound up. It was Ireland, 
Denmark, Denmark ends out oh. have the tools for this meeting. So basically, the, does that mean he's happy? Ireland yeah. easy. Ireland easy. Should Ireland have, will be fun, festive, and a World Cup ticket. It has to be. <laughs> They're delighted. <laughs> now there is a balance. There's a few of them yeah. say would rather have the North, but okay. Yeah. Ireland over two matches is absolutely fine. Litmus test True. of whether Denmark or a national team deserve to be placed in the World Cup. Very clever. Very clever. But I think generally. They're over the moon. So we Your can have bacon eating <laughs> Scandinavian Muppets. Lego heads. <laughs> <laughs> Stick but, your hands Christian Anderson up your <laughs> Swiss roll. <laughs> but I think yeah, I think I, I think both teams came out oh, cold coffee. on a plus there with it. Yeah, listen, this you have to be you're more excited because of the fact that you've a your chance of going going through is a bit higher than against Croatia and Italy and Switzerland. But it's still Gonna be just as tough. End of story. End of story. And anything can happen over the next couple of weeks. One or two injuries. We already were missing a few players and the whole lot. And there is danger, man. We all know about Ericsson and stuff like that. And there is one or two others. They're good, solid players. There's a there's a Delaney who we need to worry about. Yeah. Uh, he's third or fourth generation because as soon as I heard his name a couple of years ago in Germany, I was like, ah, here. But no, his dad was born in Denmark and moved out to America. That no, I think it's third, fourth, fifth generation. Okay. All right. But yeah, Delaney could be breaking hearts, not just John. Yeah. In a couple of weeks' time, so we wait and see. But hopefully, somebody like uh, there's no one. Uh, there's, Jesus, no one Irish off Liverpool. We'll have to look at the, the sports fixtures over the next few weeks. Hopefully, Duffy or something. Or James, send in James McLean. Hopefully, James, West Brom are playing. Yeah, yeah. Send in James McLean. Listen, me, do it for the team. Get banned for three weeks. I don't care. Well, I watched the Spurs game against Real Madrid during the week. Yeah, and Spurs were excellent. So they're a super side, and see, it's I love it. And we're, we're, let's not get too much into it because, it, like. Watching a couple of my United you know, mates in a WhatsApp group I had last night, it's just so funny. Like you know, absolutely back. We're back. We're back. We're back. We're back. It's 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 like a Liverpool fan twenty years ago. We're back mm. after six matches. Now it's like this is horrendous. This is shocking <laughs> football. Back to the old days. Negative. 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 And it's like, what changed? He'd done it last year. He's done it for fifteen years with all this club. Why are you shocked? He's won six in a row, but he scored four. But he's we're still playing quite normal. But because we're just that bit, you're just too strong for him. Blah yeah. blah blah blah. Yeah. But um, Spurs, one or two dodgy results against uh, in Wembley, but one or two victories in a row now. It's only seven or eight games in. Like, yeah. Two or three wins in a row, and back up there, and all of a sudden, oh, you know, geez, Pochettino is unbelievable, and Harry Kane, 200 million to Real Madrid, and they're trying to push him in with Messi and Ronaldo all of a sudden again. Now, his numbers are matching them for this season, but that's only one season. But it's just incredible, literally, how much a week oh, Liverpool are devastating on a team, and all of a sudden, oh, they're rubbish, and now all of a sudden, oh, they're kind of okay again. The papers are a disaster, isn't it? It's a nightmare. Yeah. It's a disaster. nightmare. Um, I think we'll go to a song, and we'll be coming back Then, then. we're going to come to some horrific. Horrendous songs. Horrendous songs. All will be revealed after Def Leppard Animal. Uh, we've gone very stadium rock today. <laughs> you play one and you just plant to see it. Who else? Who else can we do? Uh, I love it. Um, and Joe Elliott, one of our own, even though he's from Sheffield. He's Irish. He's lived here long enough. Yeah. He's one of us. He has the passport. Now, 
we've got a uh, uh, cover coaches coming up in uh, about 15 minutes time um, so for the next 15 minutes uh, we've got a great filler in but it's not really filler in this is top class entertainment basically musicians would have always they always look up to sports stars and they always jeez I'd love to have been a footballer you see the bands on Soccer AM and then you have the footballers like Jesus, I'd love to have been a pop star and been on stage and all that so we're going to go to a few clips of sports people who actually decided to be pop stars no, I, think, and I think I think they're kind of led down the, the path of course they are Listen, especially when you hear someone strike. You're, you're famous you're, you're footballer you're famous if we throw out a song people will buy it Here's a couple of quid. Have you ever heard a good one, though? Uh, I have one, two, three, four, five. Uh, I can't even get... I have six here, and I'm going to pretty much say, no. Okay. Now, I'll leave Peter Ebbing to last, because he tried. <laughs> this is definitely... I'm bored in the hotel after me seven or eight frames in some dodgy championship with me and me guitar. Yeah. He gives it a little go. But we're going to go... Because a, a lot of footballers fancy themselves. So we're going to go with Ronaldinho first, purely because we have no idea what he's talking about, but he's in it. You'll probably tell because the way he talks with the old Delph, unfortunately. But uh, we'll see how long we play this because uh, no idea what he's talking about. But he's in it. I'm sure it's good. He's with a loads of boys. We're going to keep the mics on because we might have to, like, you mightn't hear a lot of music, but it's the videos. Some of these are horrendous. But this is uh, Ronaldinho. It's actually called uh, Vamos Beber. A lot of pose in the front of the camera. I don't know where Ronaldinho is. Oh, lad strumming the guitar. <laughs> oh, it sounds like a sounds like a dodgy Eurovision, doesn't it? Tor- it this is exactly it. <laughs> That's not his voice. He's coming. Don't worry. He raps. This is obviously the chorus. <laughs> Two seconds time you'll see his face. Look, throwing his hands up in the air. Yeah. Come on, Ronaldinho. Come on, Ronaldinho. The Brazilian entry gets no point. Yeah, that's very Eurovision, isn't it? It is very Eurovision. Yeah, it's yeah. a horrendously dodgy video. I'd say he bankrolled this because it's literally him and a couple of the boys there by a pool, which is obviously probably his mansion, and they're just in their normal rig out, just dancing around. They show a football trophy and a few of his pictures. It has to be his gaff. I have an idea, lads. Let's put out a song. How much will it cost us? A ah, couple of quid. couple of grand. Yeah, come on, let's do it. Do What's have, the worst that can happen? Do I have to sing? Nah. Yeah. 29 and a half million views. No way. So that's made of money as it is. It's probably all Brazil, though. Yeah. Dennis Vamos Beber featuring João Lucas and Marcelo e Ronaldinho Gaucho. <laughs> In case you wanted to buy it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> what do we give that out of 10? <sighs> See, this could change when you hear some of the others. So I'm going to go low. I'm going to go Greg Rebel Howard on a darling and give it about four. Uh, I'm going to three. Three, three out of ten. Right, right. Yeah. Kevin Keegan, the legend. The legend. This is 1979, Head Over Heels in Love. The perm is just outstanding. And this is another song where he's gone for it. Because I think he even sang it in League of Rome when he had him on. Did he? Yeah. Like, he, he obviously loved this and enjoyed this. But this is his... Uh, <laughs> I don't know whether this came about from Germany. Because this is around the time he was in Germany. You know, the Germans love American slash English music. I'd say this came from these guys. Listen, I have, a, I have an idea, Kevin. We're going to make millions of Deutschmark. But this is uh, Kevin Keegan with Head Over Heels in Love. 
I can see the crowd. The crowd are going from side to side, waving the arms. He's like a support act for the Bay City Rollers or something. Yeah, that's exactly, yeah. I'm going to stop this. This is terrible. That is... We've lost thousands now. Yeah, sorry anyone uh, who just tuned in. That was Kevin Keegan, my head over heels in love. That's not going to be played later on as a feature. Never again, I don't think. How about uh, that up against Ronaldinho? I think Ronaldinho wins. I think he's winning. So so far, he's in the lead. This is like the six-chair challenge in the X Factor, where, say, there's 12 people. Everyone gets a chair, no matter what. Yeah, yeah. And then, and then the, oh, you're getting a chair as well. So, yeah, you're gone. Oh, actually, no, you come back... This is a joke. It's the one thing I like. I don't, I'm not a big fan of the X Factor anymore. But that six chair challenge is horrendous. Not one person is just told. No, nah, actually, go on, go home. Yeah. What? No. But do I not get to sit in the first? And then you send me out. No, go home. I don't even know if that would be in a good song in the seventies, would I? <laughs> That's why I'm saying. I think this is a German thing. I, can't, I think he I, was I in Hamburg. See, I can't see the video clip here, but I can just presume he's standing. Horrendously there. long uh, collar, short, open down to the hairy chest brown sports jacket there's not with, a medallion is there now, oh yeah <laughs> huge perm and monster grey flares now I mean monster no doubt heel shoes the lot this guy is working it big time I, I love it I'm look go- at him uh, two, two so a couple of years later they actually brought out an album I thought that was somebody texting us to say yeah, what the hell he's doing <laughs> but it wasn't anyway a couple of years later Glenn Waddle I nearly said I did Glenn, Glenn Waddle and Chris Hoddle <laughs> <laughs> I do remember this song. Now this is another one Where they actually went for it Yeah They went for it And I think they brought out an album I think this actually did well In the charts So this is This is This is This is why I'm kind of I'm leaving some of the best To last What is it Some lights Diamond lights Diamond lights Diamond right. I yeah. love you <laughs> Sorry Glenn really goes for it like, let the, let the Chris thing. just sits there And just goes inside the side. Well, Glenn is very much like I'm the bloody pop star here But anyway Here's the official uh, video Ooh. Is it Mew? They, I don't think they'll let us, will they? <laughs> They're walking in some social club. Oh, a woman appears. Oh, you can't see. Can't see. Two boys are in the background. A woman just shimmering around. I've heard worse. Chris Wall's not even uh, lip syncing in time. How much? How much? That's all you can hear him say. I just want the bit. Darling, I love you. That's all I'm waiting for. Yeah, yeah. Good man, Glenn. It's Chrissy. Chrissy Waddle So yeah They were on top of the pops They They, they made a good fist of it I, Yeah I don't I, Now you have to remember That's an 80s tune So if you put it in the modern day You'd say it's terrible And all that But That would have been a fair effort Back in the day Would you put that in Number one at the moment <laughs> With I, the rest I, of the tribe we've had It certainly It certainly sounds 80s Doesn't it Ah uh, <laughs> And a million so percent. It, it, it fits in there, but it doesn't mean that's a good song. That was in 1987. Yeah. So we're going to go modern now. Now, this is Caroline Wozniacki, uh, former world number one from Denmark. Denmark. A lot of Denmark representing today. And obviously uh, an ex-girlfriend of uh, Roy McElroy. Her song is called Oxygen. Now, this is all 100% her. So I need a voice. Uh, the, the singing you hear and everything, is, this is her. Um, I'm just going to s- just play it and yeah. 
Just this is colon version. I keep with oxygen. You can see this video, Jesus Christ. <laughs> This is a proper. She's, she's done. She's done the share thing there. Throw, throw in the bit of. Uh, but it's a proper video, mate. Like she's trying hard. It's like I, I, I don't explain it. It's it's a proper face that it. Stop. Hit the action bit. She's breathing you in. Sorry, Carla. Yeah, I think that's stick to, stick to tennis. Jesus, I'm breathing you, breathing you in. Sorry. Yeah, she did the share thing. She got yeah. the voice uh, distortion. Which is not good enough. No, jeez, that's poor. You know, but uh, it's poor stuff, isn't it? I, I don't think any of these can go, can be played in its entirety because I've got one more. Cause I just looked. Andy up. Cole had one. Glenn Hoddle and a yeah. Uh, oh, lights. Uh, peak position twelve. Twelfth in the charts. That's not. They actually. It actually has. It's probably the best of the bad bunch so far. Isn't yeah. Because think it back in the time, that would have been a solid enough single. Yeah. When it was shadow of it, that would have been a solid enough single. So so far so good. Now Peter Ebden, he finally won a world title only a couple of years ago, didn't he? He finally reached the promised land. Um, he fancied. He definitely. Obviously, I wonder if it was around the same time he won. Um, not a hundred percent sure. But this is a fall. The fall of paradise. Um, sit back. Relax and listen to the calming voice of Peter Ebden and his guitar. Oh, he actually has a proper video. Oh, yeah. Snooker. <laughs> <laughs> it's only a game, so whatever. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry, Peter. Sorry, Peter. Close them again, this is brilliant. And I saw your love had turned away from me. Now, where could I go when a heart that was believing turned again? Believing time again. All in all, I don't think I can do any more. Sorry, mate. What's the song called? The Fall of Paradise. Oh, yeah, because it has here 1996. Because he said something about Open My Eyes. I presume he's going to say The Fall of Paradise afterwards. Yeah, boo-hoo. 1996, Ebden recorded a version of David Cassidy's song, I Am A Clown. So it's not the only song he sang. Oh, the, like, and it was released as a single. He also released a sing- his second single, which is Fall From Paradise, with a video filmed at Burnley's Afterlife Club. Yeah. Uh, Jesus. Yeah. That, that, you thought I Snooker was boring. My eyes. Sorry. That's everything that's wrong with music. You can see why O'Sullivan gets a bit bored at the snooker sometimes. He's probably looking up, oh, just throw away in your guitar, you muppet. Did you see your one? On, <laughs> did you see your one? Who Starts came running on? around and... The table. I'm going to go this way, I'm going to go that way. And I was like, hit her with the cue. And then all of a sudden, here, go on, finish yeah, it. She couldn't even finish she couldn't it. Finish it Idiot. Did, I didn't look, do it. I didn't look at this. She went to go do it a second time. I couldn't look at it. it she missed it. She missed, the, she missed the, the black ah, second time. Ah, so... 
you know, hopefully she got put behind bars for at least a night for, for the miss, not running around. With Peter Ebden. <laughs> I am, I'll never do it again. Peter Ebden, I am a clown. Right, so uh, we go to a song because uh, we need to do some technical uh, stuff in the background to uh, hook up with the lads from Cover Coaching. Yes, we will so, play um, a song. So I think I'm going to fill in for a couple of seconds. While no, you. we have it here. Uh, live and let. Bit of GNR. Good luck. And welcome back to the big kickoff on Liffey Sound 96.4 FM. Cover Coaching is renowned for using the world's number one soccer skill teaching methods, with numerous camps in Ireland and a midterm camp in Carton House. Joining us on the line is Cover Coaching Leinster Stewart. Stewart, welcome to the big kickoff. Good morning, guys. How are you? How are you doing, Stuart? Oh, thank God. <laughs> there was a panic there. Uh, listen, Stuart, for those who aren't familiar with Cover Coaching, can you give a brief history on how it all started up and the purpose behind its creation? Yeah, um, the purpose of it was uh, trying to develop technical players. Um, and I suppose go back to the 70s, uh, it was started by a guy called Will Cover. Um, he left the 78 Dutch after the World Cup which was probably one of the best football teams ever he went off to the States and um, then he ended up travelling the world to have a look at players like Cruyff Beckenbar how did they become the best in the world yeah. um, he went off to the States set up a camp and then one day uh, a guy called Alf Galuston who was a coach um, from Wimbledon in the UK and uh, Charlie Cook who was Charlie was uh, top top player Scottish international player for Chelsea walking through met Will saw him doing a ball mastery session the guys sat down had a cup of tea and in 1984 Cover was born and uh, since then as football has evolved the guys have evolved the curriculum uh, Will passed away then in 2011 and the guys have continued and now we're uh, to date we're in 47 countries worldwide <laughs> um, so and then work with some of the top world's federations and clubs and that's and it's, it's well known, but I'll be, it's, it's very, I find it very funny that the amount of people who actually don't know cover coaching, even though it's world renowned and it's in a lot of academies in throughout Europe. Um, do you get many people who just don't know who you are? Yeah, I suppose we started three years ago with nineteen players in Santry. Right. Um, today, up to date, we'd have probably over three hundred players in our academy. Um, we have four partner clubs and we also work with the KDUL the NDSL and the Midland Schoolboy League and yet I still go up to people and they still say what's it all about <laughs> you know we've never heard of it there's a lot of misconceptions about it as well because a lot of people will say ah oh, you know it's flicks and tricks and it's you know it's for our kids starting out it's not this This is used last week I was across in Lisbon and we have uh, some players over there with an elite squad that we do with Benfica every year and they do it with their first team. Right. You know, right. so unfortunately that's the misconception that people have, but it does work right up to 
right up to senior level. Why do you think we, and it's seen all around the world, why do you think we're, we're seen as a technically below par country um, here in Ireland? Um, I suppose uh, you see you see it like many young players, they arrive you know, at senior games or they arrive with their teams and they struggle under pressure. Um, and you can see it sometimes in the first team, the, the, the pressure of time and space and physical contact and I think they, we, we lack sometimes, now we, we do have technically gifted players, but we lack the foundation of the, the individual skill, I suppose, in small group play that you need to succeed. Um, so for us, uh, it, it's trying to develop that, you know, and then obviously if we can develop these players at young ages, the rest is easy. Yeah, and the, the, the key, now as you said, it can be used at any age, as in... Uh, senior teams as well can use it but the key is to get them as young as possible to learn basically to enjoy the football yeah yeah exactly um we would have our our if you like teachings would be in three age groups we would have four to six year olds and that's the foundation you're trying to get these kids to fall in love with the game work in coordination so that's our first skills program um, and then when you get to seven to elevens you're looking at you know the golden ages of kind of skill learning and skill development, and then we find if the, if those kids are with us, and from the time they're four till twelve, then you can start working on team shape. You know, from twelve to sixteen. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, it, it comes up, crops up a lot in coach ed. You'll get guys will say to you, um, I, "I want to try and uh, you know, I want to pass and stuff. I want to play from the back." And I said, "Right, that's fine, but what's letting you down? We can't pass the ball." Yeah. <laughs> can control the ball so it's very difficult unless you can pass receive control the ball it's very difficult to implement any team ethos or any team style yeah yeah and that's it uh, we've seen it with, with the FAI and their, and certain plans that they have and they're talking about building out from the back and, and what have you but they actually haven't built in anything that gives the 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 children the technical ability to be able to do that that, that sort of uh, game yeah, well, look, what we do goes hand-in-hand hand with the player development plan. Um, I'm a big fan of it. I think the the small-sided stuff, uh, the small-sided games, it, it's given players a lot more time in the ball. Um, so, again, if you know, if you can implement as a coach, if you can implement the technical, if you like, uh, development of players and put it into this plan, yeah. then the future's good for, yeah. uh, for Irish football, you know. Well, co- cover coaching would be more about dealing as you said the the, the technical plan from, from the FAI is you know give them a bit of time and the ball to uh, you know to be able to use it but cover coaching is kind of the, the complete opposite to that if you want they are looking to teach you how to deal with pressure pre- a bit of pressure on the ball so you can deal with the, the use the skills that are, are you're developing in a pressurized situation is that right we would yeah yeah like in our beliefs are that your team system is dependent on the individual. Yeah. So if you look at, you know, Barcelona against uh, Real Madrid, nil all, generally it's Ronaldo or Messi. That's the difference. So we're trying to teach that to these players so that can we develop that individual first? Um, and then look at, obviously, team systems then are, if you like, the, the better teams. It's the small group play. So it's the combinations between having three really good technically gifted players so Barcelona you look at Suarez and you had Neymar and Messi that's the difference between good teams and really really good teams Yeah, yeah. so nice. Nice. that's where we're coming from we're trying to show these kids 
how the game breaking the game down. It's like anything, you know. You don't you don't just come home from school tomorrow and decide I'm going to operate my cat because I want to be a vet. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. got to be broke down. So we break it down. The end goal for us is eleven v eleven, but we take it right back to the one v one. Yeah, yeah. So you'd obviously push more Stewart in the relation, like when you watch continental uh, football compared to, say, the Brit- Britain and Ireland. If there's a line of sight between you and the player, just give it to him because his touch and his control will be good enough. While over here in Britain and Ireland, it's very much you have to be five, like a five yard radius of uh, free before they give it. If there's a line of sight between you and the man, just give it to him and let him do his touch and put it in the right area to then go on to the next guy. Um, yeah, yeah. Look, look. Uh, we're not saying that you know this game is right or that country yeah. plays right. It's different everywhere. It's a different mentality. It's like. Uh, I'll go back to it. We have we have a couple of Irish guys out playing in the squads in, in Benfica. Hmm. Now a couple of them are technically very good, but they like a good challenge, you know. <laughs> and out everything stopped. It's it, even though they do a lot of one v ones, it's uh, it's it's a different game. So these players are where before they're coming in, they're winning a tackle hard, and then they're playing. It's difficult for them to adapt. So each country obviously has, you know, I suppose. Different rules or different different ways that they train, so it's finding it's finding the right way at the time. You know, again, it just goes back to development of the kids. Are you going to get time in England to develop these players to change the game? I don't know. Yeah, and obviously, obviously, working over here, are you going to do follow the cover coaching way, but with a little Irish stamp on it, or is it very much the cover way? Um, no, I think it's the cover way because you've got to believe in what you're teaching. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, if I work with senior teams, um, that's that's what I do. I, I coach the uh, the Irish men's deaf team. Mm. Uh, we do an awful lot of it. Obviously, we have to work on tactics, but in training, the, the guys love it. Men are the biggest kids. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's something different. They don't want to run around a pitch. They don't want to get into, you know, 11 v 11s. I've done this for you know the last three or four years when I was coaching the team, um, and the boys loved it, and we got a great response from them because it's just fast. You know, it's four v fours, three v threes, three v twos. It's quick. It's something different that they haven't done. And again, uh, a really good quote in the, uh, you've seen on social media there, Alex Ferguson. Yeah. You're never too old to do technical training. Yeah. Never. Yeah. You know. So again, uh, I, I I think this is this is something that the country needs. And um, and hopefully we can help deliver it, you know, over the coming years. Just on uh, the programs, I, I know the first skills program is, is is basically again enjoying enjoying the football, but learning uh, skills probably to get you out of different situations or how to beat a man and etc. The one v one kind of things. But when you go up to the performance academy and the high performance academy, I think the high performance academy is eleven to sixteen. Is that right? Um, high performance. We have uh, we've a couple of different different models in it. We have a ten to twelve, yeah. um, and then we have twelve to sixteen. Yeah, we, what we found is that little age group of ten to twelve kind of gets left out. They're not. They're, 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 they actually miss out on a lot of this elite football um, or um, you know elite squads. So we've introduced a ten to twelve where um, we'll work on what's called the cover box trap style. Yeah. And it's pushing those players. It's just it's it's just giving them a little bit more that we fe- we feel that is not there for that age group. And it's been a big success. We have thirty six players in the program in Dublin, um, and we have uh, eighteen up in Newry. And we're going to look at extending it because it, 
the feedback from it has been really really good it, it says that there's a, obviously a technical side of things but a psychological programme as well what's the psychological end of it um, yeah so if you, if you go back to to uh, what the, what Will Cover was trying to develop in 1984 they started with they wanted to develop the Cover kid so it was someone that was skilled confident creative yeah um, we'd have five components then and that you're looking at obviously competition is the core of of, of development but you've got sense of where to be on the pitch you've also got uh, strength now that is where the psychological part of it comes in it's physical strength and mental strength so from an early age we're trying to develop we play full pressure 1v1s from 4 um, and again if you have two players who are constantly playing that all they value is the ball yeah. they don't value you see it before like a, a kid will get hit hard in a 1v1 he just wants to get up and get after the player and give him a kick. Yeah, yeah. Whereas our students, our, our players, they value the ball. So if they're hit hard and if they fall over, it's up and let's win the next ball. Let's yeah. win the second ball. So that's where the psychological, if you like, uh, part of the game comes in. Right. Um, and obviously, you know, having a good sense of where to be on the pitch. We also have speed and we do a lot of work on speed. So again, physical and mental speed. Yeah. So your reaction. So again, um, even though it's technical, uh, it's technical work the kids are also working inside their head as well yeah. so in relation to that who would be kind of your reference point in the in the professional game that would follow that for you guys for us um, as in the players yeah like a, not one several what kind of players would you kind of go he be technically kind of what 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 we're, we're selling if you know what I mean yeah yeah well we what we we do is star models so yeah. depending on what we're trying to get across to a player, if we're talking about somebody that, okay, he can control a ball, he can run with the ball and travel well with it and, and do something, you know, he can create something, you're looking at Robin. Yeah. Um, if you look at uh, somebody who creates an awful lot of opportunities, obviously he's moved on, would, would be someone like Douglas Costa or Coleman at Bayern Munich. They create an awful lot of chances for mm-hmm. Muller and Lewandowski to score. You've mm-hmm. all, obviously got Messi, you know, um, if you're talking about control and touch hmm. so there's, there's, there's loads of these players out there Robin um, Lewandowski uh, you know even a, a players like Abamyang where to be in the box so again there's, there's plenty of players there that you can use as a reference point and get the kids like they're, they're online all the time hmm. get them to have a look at these videos before they come into your session um, like we would do play like the Stars teams camps and we'd have a different player every day. So we'd sit the kids down, show them the video, break it down, and then go onto the pitch and show them how these players develop these these moves. So I suppose there's no one player that we're looking to to be because again, different heights, different exactly. you know, different faster positions. players, slower players, yeah. But um but you know, it's gotta be it's gotta be messy for us. He's he's probably the yeah. the best ever. On the loneliest position in the world sometimes the goalkeeper <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, what, what, what angle do you take with goalkeepers um, my personal opinion is and there's a lot of guys who vouch for this if I'm doing a team he, my goalkeeper is my best player right um, he's he'd be involved in all our training obviously he's got to get specific training uh, because he uses his hands but I would encourage my keeper to play out because if you think about it he's the one player who's pressed constantly sure. he's got to switch the ball left side and right side he's got to receive it both sides to play out the other side if he makes one mistake it costs a goal 
it can cost the team whereas you know with a midfielder makes a mistake there's still four or five players behind him to, to help him so for us he's got to be the quickest he's technically very good he's got to be mentally strong um, as well as physically so uh, yeah goalkeepers do you, do you cater for the goalkeeping uh, is it all just footwork with the goalkeepers that you, you, you deal with or, or what, what angle do you go with that um, no, a couple of years ago we brought in uh, uh, IPK, so Irish pro keepers, yeah. to work with our goalkeepers. So we've trained them up. We we have two coaches that are dual coaches, right. so they're goalkeepers and they're outfield players. So we've tried to find the, the nice bit of cohesion between ball mastery uh, for the, for these guys, so they, they're footballers, but also you know through uh, they, they, we understand that they have to use their hands if it comes for crosses yeah it's a different art uh, yeah exactly so it, it was finding a good way and somebody that will be open minded enough to, to try and take our uh, if you like our ethos on board and they have yeah and I, I love cover coaching I love the, the drills I love the, the, the pressure I love the uh, and the biggest thing is is that as you said uh, about the big kids the, the adults they love it. They enjoy the training sessions, but the the small kids they adore it and they and and they want they beg and ask, can we do this? Can we do that game? And <laughs> look, they always come back to it. So I use it all the time. But going on to coaching, there is a coach coach education pathway. Uh, I've done up to youth diploma one myself. Um, you have the intro. You have youth diploma one, uh, youth diploma two, and I think there's modules as well. Can you just go into the, the coach education if anyone's interested? Yeah, uh, we would start with uh, the cover module one. So it's basically an introduction to um, to the foundation of Cover, the history of Cover, um, and what we're trying to develop. And then you would have the session that would probably give you eight to twelve weeks of of planning and work. You move on to the intro, which is a, it, it's all it's almost a, it's a new standalone course. It's developed around the one v one topic, so change of direction, feints, stops and starts. Um, you get into youth diploma, as you said, youth diploma one, which is session planning. Youth diploma two, which is your box trap. So you're looking at the eleven side. You know, we have developed over the last three years modules for clubs. Right. So you you might like yourself. You know, you've done youth diploma. Um, you might be at a club where ten or twelve guys have done the youth diploma one. Yeah. This is these are individual team topics. So it could be developing the technical defender. Um, uh, attacking an overload, so they're teams topics, if you like, that are available to clubs to uh, to, to to pay for to bring us in. Okay. And you know, generally they're an hour and a half session, two hours. We do a video presentation. Coaches would get obviously uh, the information, the session plan, and then that, we go out on the pitch and do it with the teams. That would only be if they've done maybe the youth diploma one already, is it? No, no, no. It's a, it's it's and our coach level. education system. Yeah, yeah. Okay. It's open to uh, it's open to clubs out there. Just out of pure uh, selfish interest, the U Diploma Two. Uh, when is it on? U Diploma Two. We're looking at delivering it next year. Um, we 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 did one last last year up I in Dundalk, <laughs> and <laughs> Alf was there, wasn't he? Alf Alf delivered it. Yeah. No, so um, hopefully next year, two thousand eighteen, we're going to try and get it the first part of the year because there's been quite a bit of interest in it. Um, again, it, it depends on Alf and uh, if Charlie's about in Europe yeah. to, to deliver it. Uh, so hopefully we'll have news of that before Christmas and we'll have it launched. Great. Uh, and that, just on going into 11v11, how, how does that... Because uh, I've always seen Cover as the individual 1v1, 2v2s. How do, how do you incorporate it in 11v11s? 
Um, well, we we obviously have the the box trap style, which is if, if you like, uh, you know, pressing pressing game. Um, but we break the eleven the eleven aside game down into four v trees. You know, uh, basically your units. How do your units play together? So if you're back four and playing them with your six against three attackers. Um, how do we then create in midfield? Um, how do we create then in the final third and how, how we score? So that's that's basically what the box trap style is, and that's as you, as you said, it's covered in new diploma too. So we would we would still break it down, but we're making it a little bit more complex because obviously now we're looking at you know these guys are 12 to 16. We've already developed them technically. Now we're trying to get them into the game. So how does he play in the game? How does he play in certain positions? How does he play with other players or combine with other players? So that's what that's how we teach the eleven aside game. Well, I can't I can't recommend cover coach and uh, well I do I recommend it to everyone uh, enough I can't uh, recommend it. Uh, you have a half term sports camp uh, play like the pros up in Carton House. Now this is intertwined with a few different co- rugby and GA I think golf is it? Oh golf apologies golf. golf, golf. How, how did this come about? And, and again, if if if, if, I, if someone wants to bring up little Timmy to the, <laughs> to the to the to the course, what did they get out of it? Yeah, well, it, it came about first of all. Um, we would have obviously a lot of teams looking to come over and do stuff. We had a couple of American teams over last year. Uh, they travelled to Ireland, and we were looking for a venue that we could give these guys the opportunity to, you know, to almost be like a professional team. So we spoke to Carton House and. Uh, just off the back of that they were running a camp and asked us would we be interested in in coaching on it so that's how the link came about uh, so basically we've signed up to, to, to work on all their football camps up right. in Curtin House um, and on the, on the back of that we're going to work there and bring teams across and we're going to do coach education days Great. And do the they... camp itself it'll yeah. be uh, it's two hours every day um, so the, the, they can come in in the morning they can do golf or they can do rugby and then they can come into us for two hours Right, and did they pay? Did they pay separately for each sport, or is it did they pay one fee to get a couple of sports or three sports, or what way does that work? They can specifically come in for the two hours with us. They can come in for the two hours as a rugby coach, or they can do both, or they can do um, all three. I think I'm not 100. percent They're all at different point. times, anyhow. I do yeah, know that. So they're at different times. Th- yeah, that possibility's so, probably there. Yeah, if okay. anybody was interested, they just. They can go on our social media page or Carton House, and uh, they can contact the sales team up there, and they'll they'll book them in or help them out. And again, you're with, you're with Coach and Cove or Leinster, and if you can go, you can go online or onto the Facebook page, and you can see actually you have camps set around Leinster, and uh, there's a map there to show exactly where the camps are. Uh, I think it did have one up in Selbridge, and they didn't get enough interest, and it's gone. So that kicked me in the arse. But oh, well, they they would have been um, the the cat or the. If you like, on the map on the front page, there are weekly academies. Yes. Um, the camps would have been there just one week. Uh, we do play like the Stars camps, obviously, in the summer and, you know, Christmas. Yeah. So, again, we will be back in Selbridge um, at some point. Right. Um, because, they, again, as a club, they've been a big advocate of it and they've tried to implement it with their academy and I think it's been quite successful for them. Um, I know that I worked with the some of the five- and six-year-olds that had been in the, the first skills academy out there in the nursery and they're really good yeah. uh, absolutely enjoyable to 
to get kids that want to play football as well is really good at that yeah, age. To coach anyone who's in, who just wants to get out and enjoy it, and when they do the, when they do these sessions, they just love it. So, not only can you enjoy your uh, coaching, but you're going to be a multi-millionaire as well. <laughs> <laughs> Cha-ching. Cha-ching. That's the dream. That's the dream. <laughs> listen, Stuart, uh, again, thanks very much. I'll be in touch with you about the youth diploma too every now and again. But uh, listen, thanks very much for your time. And uh, it means a success already. I'm sure it's just going to get bigger and bigger for you. That's brilliant. Listen, guys, thank you for having me on. No problem. Pleasure. Thanks very much. Enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you. Cheers. All the best. Bye-bye. 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 You're listening to Liffy Sound, www.liffysoundfm.ie. Listen online, community radio at its best. And welcome back to the big kickoff in Liffy Sound 96.4 FM. On the line, we have uh, Kieran Thompson. Oh. Yo, yo. <laughs> there's a few buttons being pressed. Hello, Kieran. <laughs> How are you? Kira, how are you doing? Well, I'm not going to call you Kira and Tom, I'm going to call you, Chase. Listen, the Dublin Marathon is on next week. And yep. this, uh, we wanted to look at it from someone who was doing the marathon for the first time. Because I've often thought about it and decided against it for various reasons. I suppose it was little peaks of ex- excitement and enthusiasm and then it drifted away. And I think Dave has had the same. So, first of all, give us your take on why you decided to do the, do the marathon? Um, basically, uh, it's down to the shift I work at the minute that I can't really commit to playing for a football team because I work every second weekend. So I needed something, a goal, you know, something to do, something that I, I was going to stick to and, and commit to for the year. Rather than just, you know, trying to keep fit or going to the gym and just going through the motions. I wanted a goal and, and something, to, something to train for and something to commit to. Yeah. So it was just the right time for me that I can't commit to playing football, so I stopped playing football there recently. So uh, I just, that was it. I just needed something to something to do. <laughs> yeah. And did so when you went in to do the training because you've obviously you've from me knowing you, you've you've been fit football wise, you've been fit in in a gym sense. So you've had those different uh, times of of and different levels of fitness. So. When you started doing your training for the marathon, for anyone who was ever thinking about going to do the marathon, what did you start off doing? What did you find uh, most difficult? Just, I'd say, it put manners on me straight away, very <laughs> early, early doors. Oh yeah, like that. I played a lot of football over the years, and I'd, I'd be in the gym quite regular, and I had an illusion of fitness that I thought I was, I was, I was fit, you know. Yeah. But. Uh, this is just a different type of fitness altogether, like complete endurance. But uh, I just, I just started off back at the start of the year when I said, "This is my goal for the year. I'm going to start and do the marathon." And the first thing I did was signed up for a 10k race. Right. I said, so that gave me a starting point that I had to get to that level that I was able to run. 10K. So you, so you started when and when was your 10k? My first 10k was in March. And you had done so, uh, what sort of training did you do then? When did you start your training? First of all, started about a good, about say probably about six weeks before that. I said I'll, I'll get out now and I'll start running and okay. see how far I can go and uh, just you know let the sport dictate to me how how fit I am at, at endurance. I didn't know what I was getting getting into at all. I went out and I done. I, I just said I'll run to the park and I'll run five k and see how I feel. Unless and I got to three. Were you were you blowing out your arse? I got to 3k and I stopped and I said that's enough for me <laughs> and uh, I, I didn't go any further that day and I, I, as I say I put manners on me and I said right you have 6 weeks now to get to 10k to get to that level so 
Because all them muscles bring me down, Tom, that's what it was. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was saying anyway. <laughs> so what what way did you what, what did you follow? What what like if you were looking back at yourself uh, now when you started off, what did you follow then and looking back now, what would you do differently? Yeah, oh yeah. Well like as I say, my my shift dictated, you know, the way I would train. So I do a week on and then a week off right. and walk. So uh the week on is difficult. You can do you can do a certain amount of work in the evening time or maybe before work. But then the week off would be the majority of my work. So I'd have a really good week of training and then sort of a rest week you'd call it, like with with, with a small bit of training. But uh, basically I just I looked at the you know, the Irish runner and all the first time marathon blogs and all this and all the, the programs and there was just too much running in it for me to commit to for uh, with the shift I do. Like yeah. Like most people that, that commit to a, a proper marathon program, they run three and four times during the week and a long run at the weekend. Right. So it just it just wasn't feasible for the shift work that I do. So that so, uh, did that did that make it harder for you than every other week? Did it feel like you were starting off again, or that you weren't yeah. progressing? Or yeah, no, not that I wasn't progressing, but say like it felt like I was going back to square one at the uh, my training then. The way I structured it was every two weeks I do a long run. So on my week off, the weekend I had off, I do a long run. But then I'd be going back to my shift work on the Monday, and I'd nearly take the full week off the next week. <laughs> and then I'd be starting back again. Like I try and do a little bit, maybe a bit of a couple of recovery runs, yeah. five small runs during the week, and maybe some gym work or whatever. But uh, yeah, it, it, it was definitely a lot harder doing it that way. It suits you a lot better if you're on Monday to Friday, nine to five, and you could commit to going training, like like football training, twice a week, and on a, a big run on a weekend. You know that it would definitely suit you a lot better that way. But I uh, like that. All I done was I knew I had that 10k in March, and then I signed up for after as soon as the day after I finished that 10k, I signed up for the half marathon in August. So I knew then I had to get from 10k to 20k in the next few months. And then after, just before that half marathon, actually, I'd started properly marathon training, whereas I'd uh, structured a plan, say, 18 weeks before before the marathon that I wanted to get distances done by. So that's the way i done it. I just, right. I said, like, by the, by, I'm not sure the exact date, to say, but the end of July, I had to have 10K done. Two weeks after that, I needed 15K. Two weeks after that, I wanted to do 20. And I just progressed 5K every two weeks, which isn't a, it isn't a lot, but... It's a, it was enough, you know, yeah. it's, a, it's a big gap going from, you can run, a lot of lads that are fit, I'd say you can run 10Ks comfortably, and it's not a big challenge in your body to run 10, even 15, but when you get to 20 and you start to run for two hours straight and it starts to get in on your body, then it's, it's a different story altogether. So, we know you love the gym, Tomo. Yeah. Are you in it as much now? Are you missing it? No, I'm, yeah, I'm definitely missing it. I feel uh, like... <laughs> You know, it's one or the other. It's just as simple as that. Like, you, really? you can't. You can't. I, I, I try and train once a week just to just to maintain, but that's all I'm doing. I'm just barely maintaining because, uh, as I say, the, the the long runs, particularly the, the time to recover, even the, the length of time it takes you to do the run and the time to recover after it, it's, it's so time consuming. And then, like that, you're you're not benefiting in your in your marathon training really when you go to the gym at all. You know, you're only you're only benefiting when you're running, especially for a first time marathon runner. 
you have to get the miles into the legs and that's that's what all I've been doing really trying to get the distances into the legs and condition the legs for the running so basically there are more weights left instead yeah, of there are no I more weights g- at the moment if you went back yeah. to the gym yeah this is it yeah I'm after giving the weights a rest so <laughs> <laughs> they need a time off just as much as I did <laughs> uh, just, uh, just on uh, aches pains and what have you is there parts of the body that have hurt that have never hurt before Definitely, yeah. I find that because it, because I've done so much uh, strength training you know, over the last few years, I don't find like the uh, muscular pains whatsoever. You know, like the fatigue, but it's the same type of fatigue that you're getting your muscles from playing a match on a on a Saturday or Sunday. You know, you know what it is. It's tightness and cramps and stuff like that, and it's, it'll be it'll be recovered in a couple of days. But what I found was that the uh, I had to condition like my shins and my knees for for the they were running on the road and that that was something that I didn't think I, I never thought of before yeah. and only, and again only I done 5, 10 and I done a 15 and it was only when I done the first half marathon it was 22 kilometres and I got the 15 on that and that was the furthest I'd ever run at that point and the last 7k coming up through the Phoenix Park was a slight, slight uphill and this pain set into my knees and my joints and I was barely moving I was moving, but it was really moving. And that last seven kilometres, it was the longest, the longest uh, hour in my life. I swear to God. And I, know, I thought, I thought that the finish line would never come. Like, but that, there was points during that training that I thought, like, I literally crawled over the line. And I thought to myself, Jesus, of another twenty kilometres to, to do the marathon. So, at points there, there was during the training, there was, there was times when I questioned myself and I. You were telling no, uh, you were telling me about that. That the I think it was the rock and roll one, wasn't it? The, that was the one I done. Yeah. The, you the were telling me about uh, how you actually ran a longer distance than you should have. <laughs> yeah. Well, this is it. I, uh, for whatever reason, I had in my head that I they were advertising it as a twenty k. You could either you could either sign up to do a ten k or a half marathon twenty k. But it was actually when they map out the route, they map the shortest corners as they go around the park and, and all the rest. But when you're naturally running, you're just running in the middle of the road, or you might be running wide or, or whatever. And it ended up actually being 22 kilometres for me. And because I was listening to the the app on my phone telling me how far I'd gone, I realised coming up towards the end that uh, I was going to get to 20k in a, long before the finish line. Yeah. So <laughs> you thought you were finishing. <laughs> yeah, and, and I, made a few, I made a few rookie mistakes as well that... Uh, like that, you try and go to the rail as quick as you can before, uh, uh, literally, literally before you start to, to run. Still, Paul Radcliffe. Yeah, well, I didn't go that far, but I felt like I needed to go to the rail halfway through. <laughs> just, just a hit and miss. And yeah. uh, I was like, no, no, you need to. This is part of endurance training. This is where you need to suck this up and finish the race. Yeah. And I got so bad that I got to 19 kilometers, and eventually it got the better of me. I said, oh, here, I have to stop. And I still had three to go, and I couldn't just get the body moving properly again after after stopping. I must have stopped for about five minutes. <laughs> and uh, eventually, when I started to run again, I, I was like, you know, I just couldn't get the, my feet off the ground. Like I was yeah. moving, but but I swear to God, if you see me run, I was like a ninety-year-old moving for the bus. Like, geez, Tommy, you're a great advertising for people to want to get out there and do this. Do you know, I know yeah. <laughs> this is a bad idea. I know. Yeah. So come here so to you. live and learn. You know, ah, I, 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 speaking to people after that. And they were like, Jesus, we, we all stopped. 
you know, when you do a long run like that, you have to stop, <laughs> yeah. stop after five or ten k and enjoy the rest of the race. <laughs> so listen, you know, so I learned a lot that day. Ah, uh, brilliant! Listen, you're bang in the in the middle of it all, and you're 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 right in it. What would be your ultimate time to finish next week? Uh, I'm. Are you do you, you just want to finish? Yeah, it's 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 finish lines, not finish times for me. Yeah. Like for the first one anyway. Like it's gonna the, the way the training has progressed. I, I originally I said to myself, I put myself under a bit of pressure and said, I'm gonna train for four hours. Yeah. But I didn't really commit to to running fast or, or speed training or working on my time. I just went out and ran, and naturally, it's, it's like the half marathon took me two hours to do. You know, and naturally it'll take me four hours. Yeah. Little did I know, you get a you get a lot slower once you go past that twenty k mark. At times, that's to stretch out thirty k. When I done the thirty k run, it took me three hours fifteen. Right. And when I done thirty five, it took me three hours forty five. So to do forty two, it's gonna take me four and a half hours. I say so. Yeah. But that's it, like you know. Regardless. Well, listen it doesn't matter to me, yeah, for the first one, you know. Tom, well, what we'll do is we'll get you back on. We'll, we'll listen to your experiences of the race. Yeah. Uh, and, see, and we'll and track see you next week for the we'll, first We're going to track you on the show what next week. Does it start yeah, at 9? We'll get I'll your number. It starts at 10 past 9. I'll give you a race number and you can track me. Great. We'll track you for the first 50 minutes. Hopefully you'll go and pass we'll it three or four miles at that stage. <laughs> listen, Tom, thanks very much for coming on. And all the best. Uh, we'll talk to you next week or whatever. Okay, okay thanks. thanks very much. Bye-bye.